Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Hills Nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to put in their Lululemons and take a yoga class while drinking a green juice. If you experience any of these symptoms, text your priest immediately. All right. Welcome, Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining me. I'm Allison Melanie. Today is part two in our mini-series of talking all things hormone health and healing our hormones so we can feel better every day, whether it's that time of the month or any time of year. So we're going to talk about healing our hormones, stopping PMS in its tracks, never having a hot flash again with some of our favorite doctors and nutritionists. So last time we threw it way back to Susie and I's chat with functional medicine practitioner Rich Jacobs, who talked about how to reduce PMS in six months or less. Then we talked to the miracle of bioidentical hormones author Dr. Michael Platt about about why progesterone may be the secret to healing a multitude of chronic conditions. Now it's part two. So today we'll hear from Dr. Neil Barnard. I interviewed him about a year ago. He has been on the show many times, but the last time he was on the show, we talked about his book, No More Hot Flashes, The New Science of Food, Hormones, and Health. Many of you actually won a copy of his book in our last swag bag contest. And in this episode, Dr. Barnard will reveal how to get relief from the most severe and troubling menopause symptoms without using drugs. And then finally in our series, I'm talking to Alexa Sherm. She's a nutritionist who is here to talk about the hormonal effects triggered by artificial sweeteners. So yes, I'm going to ask you to try to get off the artificial sweeteners if you're on them because they're probably messing with you, messing with your hormones and how you can restore that metabolic function and manage your hormones naturally. Let's dive right into part two of the episode on healing hormones. Roll it, Roxy. The Food Heals Podcast starts now. His new book is Your Body in Balance, The New Science of Food, Hormones, and Health. In his latest study, his research team found a way to knock out hot flashes using just one simple diet change. Please welcome Dr. Barnard back to the show. It's great to be with you today. Thank you. So this is your third appearance on Food Heal. So first of all, thank you so much for coming back and always, you know, being willing to share the latest research with us. It's always a pleasure to have you. Well, I appreciate the, everything that you do to get the word out. You're helping lots and lots of people, uh, far many than you can ever know. 
<laughs> Thank you. Well, you know, here we are. This show is called Food Heals. So clearly we believe that food has the ability to heal us or kill us. And we need to find the right foods to feel our best every day. And this is especially true with something like menopause. So I'm excited to talk with you about that today. But before we get into how foods affect menopause, what are some of the main problems that women are facing with menopause and how common are they? Uh, the number one issue that comes up at menopause is hot flashes. And what this really is, is vasodilation. The, the blood vessels in the skin suddenly expand and you're, you're sitting in a board meeting and it feels like it's 150 degrees. Um, and women will go to the doctor for that more than anything else. And the, the part of the reason it's a concern is that the treatments of it aren't really very good. Um, they're effective, but they have a lot of risks to them. Apart from that, women often feel cognitively I'm not myself. My memory is fuzzy. My mood feels like it's changing. Um, and the third thing is um, sexual, what you might call sexual changes, where um, you have thinning of the vaginal mucosa. And, and so people find that they have itching or sex hurts. And so all of these things uh, will come up at, at that time. Right. No one wants to feel that way. And so, you know, doctors are prescribing medications and they could have other side effects. So you might be like, okay, now I don't have these effects from the menopause, but I've got other side effects of the, over here. So I know you're all about the nutritional approach. So tell me more about like why no medication and why nutrition actually can help. Yeah. If you are a patient and let's say you get the hormones that are used for, uh, to deal with hot flashes and your doctor will say that they're very effective, but you go to the pharmacy and they, they give you the bottle and it's got a little pa a package insert and you read it and it starts using the word cancer, stroke, dementia, um, heart problems. Um, and you think, good heavens. And if a woman takes it anyway and continues on this, after a few years, the doctor is going to say, I hope you're not taking that medicine anymore because it's dangerous for you. And the patient will say, well, doctor, you're the one who gave this to me. You knew all of these, <laughs> these risks. What is it? And, and to give you an example of the numbers, um, for a doctor who's in a busy practice, let's say you have women on these hormones. Um, for every 25 women who are on it for five years or more, one is going to get breast cancer as a result of it. So you think those odds aren't so great. Um, we need something better. And, and luckily, um, we do have something better. That's, that's the good news. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Yeah, the side effects. It's like when you see the drug commercials where like side, side effects may include and everything on there is basically death. And you're like, why would anyone take this medication? And then the pictures are beautiful people rowing in a boat and running around and hugging each other and cooking out. And you're like, I can't understand this juxtaposition here. I'm so confused. Well, uh, the, the people making commercials have understood that the, the visual images will sort of crowd out the small print that they're reading. And so people don't really hear too much the, the problems that are there. Or they imagine it won't happen to them. That's the other thing. But, but with the hormones, unfortunately, the, I mentioned the risk of breast cancer. There's also risks for uterine cancer, depending on the formulation and heart problems. And the one that has really gotten women concerned, and understandably, is that these seem to have uh, mental effects over time where they can increase the risk of dementia. So this doesn't mean that there's never a reason to use them, but, but, but they can't be viewed as some sort of fountain of youth. Right, exactly. They're definitely opposite of the fountain of youth, in That's my opinion. Sure. Yeah, exactly. So, so what exactly inspired the study, and how did you get the idea that food might help heal menopausal problems? Well, 
we've known for some time that, say, women in Japan, before the diet westernized, when it was really a rice-based diet, lots of rice, lots of vegetables, tofu, and so forth, and not very much meat and really no dairy products. I'm talking about the 1960s, 70s, 80s. Um, hot flashes were very rare in Japan but maybe less than 15% of women had them. And when they had them, they were mild. There wasn't a Japanese word for hot flashes. But when the diet westernized and dairy products and meat became common, then hot flashes went way, way up. So that was, yeah. a, that was a clue that something about a meaty diet could seem to cause this to occur. And there was also seemed to be something about soybeans that was helpful. So anyway, I wrote all about this in Your Body and Balance. Uh, which is my book. And then what happened was kind of peculiar. A reader called me up and said, I have to tell you something. I read the menopause chapter in Your Body and Balance. I did what you said. My hot flashes were gone within five days. Wow. And, I, and I thought, well, wait a minute. Um, I'm, I'm glad your hot flashes are gone, but that's a little too good of a result. I mean, five days is quick, quicker, yeah. qu quicker than I promised. I said, <laughs> I, said, I said, please tell me exactly how did you do this? And she said, well, here's what I actually did. You talked about a plant-based diet. So I did it 100% vegan, no cheating, very healthy foods. Number two, you talked about reducing fat. So I, I did that and I did it really scrupulously. I just, I stopped cooking with oil or anything like that. And the third thing is, she said in my book, I talked about what soy, how, how to use soy products and so forth. She said, I used whole soybeans and I cooked them in my Instant Pot. Oh. And I thought, wait a minute. Okay. Little known fact. You go to a Japanese restaurant, you sit down, they hand you the, the menu, and they hand you a little bowl of edamame, the appetizer. The edamame, you know what I'm talking about, the little things in the little green pods. Oh, the, I love the, them. Yeah, exactly. Well, those are, are juvenile soybeans. They're little baby okay. soybeans. If you leave them on the vine for a longer period of time, nobody knows this, but, but if you leave them alone, the, the bean changes, and it starts making more and more and more isoflavones. Isoflavones are like natural medicine. But the good thing about them is unlike the medicines that we've been talking about, the hormones that cause cancer and so forth, which this is for extra credit, the, 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 the hormone medications preferentially attach to something called the alpha receptor in your body. Okay. The isoflavones in soy don't. They attach preferentially to a different receptor called beta, which isn't associated with higher risk of cancer. It's, it's the opposite. Soybeans seem to reduce cancer risk. And when she said, I use whole soybeans, I thought, okay, the reason that this, you knocked these out that fast was number one, you were using the whole soybean, which has all this isoflavone in it. And number two, a vegan diet changes how your body responds to the things you eat. Here's what I mean. If you're eating cheeseburgers and pepperoni pizza and a lot of junk, your gut bacteria are going to be unhealthy gut bacteria. You're right. eating food. You're eating foods that are going to give you an unhealthy microbiome. You switch to a vegan diet. You keep the grease out of it, and you're eating high fiber beans, vegetables, fruits, whole grains. Your gut bacteria love that, and suddenly you've got healthy gut bacteria. When you've got that, then you eat the whole soybeans, and the isoflavones are transformed by your healthy gut bacteria into their most healthful forms. Um, so it's this combination of the soybeans are helpful, but the healthy diet changes the gut bacteria so that they can use those isoflavones in a way that a meat eater just 
really couldn't. So the way you experience this, a meat eater eats some soybeans, they eat some tofu, they eat some edamame, and they say, my hot flashes didn't go away at all. Gotcha. And, and the study, and you're right, but you use the most potent form, which is the whole soybean, and you do it in the context of a really clean vegan diet. And we saw in our study, the troubling hot flashes, the moderate to severe ones, dropped 84%. And 60% of our participants were 100% free of any moderate to severe hot flash. They just didn't have them anymore. Um, And so on average, they went from about five of these bad hot flashes down to less than one. And that, oh, and the average woman lost eight pounds in our study. And they just felt like, this is amazing. I'm suddenly feeling better than I felt in a really long time. Well, I would argue that's because they went plant-based and we know what the results are from that. Everybody feels amazing and loses a bunch of weight. <laughs> well, that's, that's exactly it. And, and, you know, for so many people, including me, you know, you're, you're not raised this way. Right. And I grew up in Fargo, North Dakota. I didn't know anything. I never met a vegetarian when I was growing up. But once you start learning what foods can do, and, and not just that, what they can do for, for you, what they can do for the planet, what they can do for the animals we share with, all these things. Um, the side effects really are cool. And one of the things I love about doing our research studies is that all of this is telescoped, where within just a matter of, say, three months, you have people whose lives are transformed together, where they're discovering what foods can do and how they can feel better and the weight can come off, the hot flashes can go away, their cholesterol goes down. Their doctor says, your diabetes has improved or maybe it's gone. Uh, their family is getting healthier. It's such a beautiful thing to see these changes happening so fast. Absolutely. This is exactly why I do this show. So thank you for sharing this. And so a couple of questions. Was she, because in five days she was able to reduce those hot flashes and she was like the testimonial that inspired this study, but was she at all plant-based before? Was this a major change for her or was this an easy change for her because she was already leaning that way? Where was she before? Okay. That, I think that is exactly the explanation for the five days. She was already vegan going into it. Um, and all she did is she just had to make sure that her diet was cleaned up a little bit um, and bring in the soybeans. So I think if she had been a meat eater um, and her gut bacteria would have to take two or three or four weeks to change, I think it would be a slower process. Okay. So essentially step one, go plant-based. Step two, add the soybeans and it will take the amount of time based on where you were when you started. If you were vegan or not, that will determine kind of the time that it takes. And I'm sure it's different for everybody because all of our bodies are extremely complex systems and are different and we have different kinds of detox and all of that. But essentially, if you take those two steps, you are able to possibly reduce your symptoms up to 84%. Is that what you said? Uh, Yeah, exactly. And, And for some, I mean, even more. But let me add a third thing, and that's to keep the oils really low in this case. Now, if you're if you're a skinny, healthy person, you don't have hot flashes, I wouldn't really worry about having some guacamole and some peanut butter and things like that. I mean, there's those are healthy fats. But for whatever reason, when we're trying to get the gut bacteria to really shape up, that's a good time to keep the oils really low. They don't work so hot in an, in an oil slick. Okay. And so this is part of your whole original, what you've been preaching for years before talking about menopause, because I remember the the no no oil revolution, I feel like kind of started with the forks over knives movement that created this plant-based movement in my eyes. At least that's when I started opening my eyes to it. Um, and so the, no, the low to no oil thing, that's really something that you believe that everyone should do in general practice, correct? 
Well, yeah, um, I think many people. Well, first of all, I should say that if you're eating chicken fat and you switch to olive oil, that's a good switch. I mean, plant totally. oil, plant plant oils are generally a lot better. And, and and also, if you go to an Italian restaurant and they're in love with their extra virgin olive oil and some of it's on your salad, I don't think you need to feel a need to take your napkin and blot it off. It's not such a big deal. However, in our research studies, we found that people who are seeking to lose weight, reverse diabetes, tackle their hot flashes, when you go to a low oil um, diet, along with being completely vegan, the results are, are accelerated. Okay. This is such good information. Thank you so much. So I want to go back to the soy because I remember this specifically. I know you're not going to remember this because you do a lot of shows and it was in 2018, but on episode 234, it was me, you, and Leslie Durso, and you busted a common myth about soy and you made it make so much sense. I'm going to ask you to do that again. Essentially, I remember there was a stat or a study that was like 99% of soy in the United States is genetically modified. And you, you, you basically, and, and so people were saying, so it's got to be bad for me. I know if soy is bad for me, I'm going to stay away from it, especially men thinking that it has estrogen, all these things. So bust the myth right now that a soy is bad for us. And where is that genetically modified soy actually going? Okay. Well, you know, when I go back home to Fargo, North Dakota, where I grew up, and you drive along the highway, all as far as the eye can see is soybeans. And it's genetically modified. It is. Mm -hmm. They're all identical. It's all beautiful fields of soy. But, <laughs> but no human being is going to eat any of that. That's cattle feed. Right. And, and it's feed for hogs and for chickens. And what you're going to eat when you go to the store and you pick up your box of organic tofu or organic soy milk, by law, anything organic cannot be GMO. So it's not GMO. It's a completely different thing. It's the, it's, it's the food that's been consumed in Japan and China and much of Asia for centuries. But so I think people are right to get away from GMO. Uh, so that's number one. Uh, number two, people have mistakenly paid attention to the, these studies that, that I was mentioning a little bit earlier, where when researchers discovered that soy isoflavones could indeed attach to estrogen receptors on cells, they thought that'll cause cancer. They didn't realize that there are two types of receptors. The alpha receptors really are the bad guys, and the beta receptors are not, and the soy isoflavones attach preferentially to the beta receptors. So now that the research is out, I think we're in pretty good shape. And <clears throat> for guys, you do hear this locker room myth about, right. okay, um, I'm an, the word is man boobs. Okay. <laughs> he, he, oh, I'm not telling. I, I, I'm, I'm not kidding. You. He, 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 you know, the guy gets out of the shower and he's a little heavy set and he's got some breast enhancement. And they'll say, look at Hank. He's got the man boobs. I'll bet he's, you know, and the whole idea was somehow that soy caused that. Oh but, 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 but you can disprove that instantly. You go to the beach in August and you see a guy who's pulled off his T-shirt and he's got a little breast enhancement. Walk right up to him and say, how much tofu have you been eating this past week? Right. <laughs> and I promise you, he will say, I don't eat tofu. What are you talking about? I eat pizza. Right. I eat, I eat beer. Bur <laughs> pizza, beer, fries, you know, that burgers, that you know, fried chicken. That's my thing. The reason that he's got breast enhancement has nothing. He's not eating tofu at all. It has to do with the fact that when you're on a typical American meaty, cheesy, calorie-laden diet, you get more body fat. And body fat cells 
are not just dormant bags of calories. They're, they are active factories. So the guy has more and more body fat on his thighs, on his abdomen, wherever. Testosterone goes into the fat cell. It's converted to estradiol. So he is making his own estrogens, and that's the reason he got man boobs. It's because of the weight gain that he got from a meaty diet. If that guy became vegan and, and was eating soy or not, whatever it is, his body weight would fall, his man boobs would shrink, and um, he, he would be a new guy. Is soy a healthy, is soy a superfood? You know, well, l- let me be clear. You don't have to have soy. Soy is totally optional. It's not something I'm telling everyone they've got to go and get, but it has real benefits that you don't see in other things. Um, you'll see these isoflavones in pinto beans and black beans and navy beans, but the amount in soy is dramatically higher. Um, and the other thing I have to say that I like about soy is if you compare bacon, which is a horrible product from any standpoint, whether you're talking about animal cruelty or the World Health uh, Organization has labeled it a, it a class one carcinogen because mm-hmm. it's linked to colorectal cancer, also breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And if you were instead to have soy bacon, it's environmental footprint is tiny by comparison. It doesn't cause cancer, it reduces the risk of cancer. And soy products are so versatile. You can make them into bacon and sausage and soy milk and ice cream. One day they're going to make snow tires out of soy, probably. You can do, <laughs> you, you can do anything with it. And, and so it, it's, it's an incredible kind of raw material for making healthy things out of. And whether you want them or not, they are always, always better than the meaty, cheesy thing that they are replacing. Food Heals Nation, we all know that PMS sucks, and that's what makes Aunt Flo's visits pretty unbearable. But you don't have to dread the red tide when it comes, especially when you've got Organifi Harmony. This is a scrumptious, delicious cacao blend that is designed with traditional herbs and adaptogens like maca, chastity berry, shatavari, and ceylon to help promote relief, to help you not feel so bad, to help relieve that pain. We're talking about relieving the bloating, the cramping, the aching, the gassiness, and those awful mood swings. Let Organifi Harmony help you feel like you again. Zero sugar and it's female designed with energizing herbs and adaptogens for those healthy hormones. Of course, you can use my discount code FOODHEALS and you'll save 20% off. Just go to OrganifiShop.com slash FOODHEALS to get your 20% off. Breaking news, flash sale. This is coming at you from the future. After I had already recorded this episode and my Organifi spots, I got an email from Organifi saying that. That Harmony has a flash sale that is from 9.19. That's today until 9.21. If you buy the green juice, you're going to get 40% off the Harmony. Amazing. Great deal. Thank you, Organifi. So between Monday and Wednesday, buy the green juice and get 40% off your order of Harmony. Thank you, Organifi. Again, that's all over at OrganifiShop.com slash Food Heals, use the discount code. You're also going to get an additional 20% off the entire order. Go do it right now, Food Heals Nation. Now, the last thing I have to tell you is that it's goodbye for now to Glow. Glow is going away for the season on 930. So get your Glow on before September 30th. You want to stock up 
before it goes away until next summer. So if you haven't tried Glow, you know it's my favorite strawberry or raspberry lemonade, and it's all about looking your best from the inside out. Your best complexion starts on the inside, so when you drink this vegan superfood blend daily, you hydrate your skin and support your body's natural collagen production. Glow helps replenish that skin for a radiant and refreshed look with a delicious raspberry lemonade taste. I call it strawberry. They call it raspberry. Mm tomato tomato check it out again everything is over at organifyshop.com slash food heals use the discount code food heals to save 20 percent off your order of green glow harmony all the things go get your glow on food heals nation this episode is brought to you by hyperice the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology they have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Let's get into the food and the recipes. I've got your book right here. It's got some incredible recipes that I'm so excited to try. I have a bunch of bookmarks, so can oh, wait Oh, wait, wait, wait. I have to tell you something, though. I have okay. to tell you something, something that, that our research participants taught me. Um, and this is, let's say I want to just make even just some soybeans. And I'm, I'm going to get to my recipes in a second, but I have to tell you this. Okay. I've got my Instant Pot here, and I throw my soybeans in there. They're my organic, non-GMO soybeans. Throw them in there, have about two inches of water on the top, cook them for 40 minutes. They're perfect. Now you take them, put them in little portion cups or Ziploc bags, have about a half cup a day to knock out your, your hot flashes. But you can, if you want to eat them plain, you can, but I use them like pine nuts. Throw them on a salad or put them in mm. soup. They add a nice texture and they're really flavorful. For extra credit though, go to the store and... Um, if you get some parchment to like to line a baking sheet, mm -hmm. just thinly spread out the cooked soybeans on a baking sheet, stick them in the oven, 350 degrees, 60 minutes, and, and don't have them all jammed together. Have them kind of thinly spread out so that they can really dry out and they come out like uh, dry roasted peanuts. But oh. if, if going into the oven, if you put a little hot sauce on them and maybe a little salt or something or some garlic powder or some cumin or anything you want, and then roast them really well. Their shelf life is like forever. And it's a really nice treat. So uh, the reason we needed to do this is in our, in our research studies, women travel. They say, I'm going to be in North Carolina next week. What am I going to do? I'm but, literally going to be in North Carolina. Should <laughs> I do this? I'm not kidding. <laughs> I, I read your mind. Um, if, if you want, yeah. So you, 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 you cook the soybeans. And then dry roast them and make a huge batch. They're going to last as long if they're mushy when they come out of the oven, you didn't cook them long enough. Um, so make sure they're really dry. And then you stick them in a little Tupperware. They last forever. And you can put them in your drawer or something like that. And so instead of going to the drugstore for some potato chips or some junk, you know, pork rinds, whatever people eat these days, um, instead... Some little roasted soy products, soybeans are very, very cool. So 350 degrees, one hour uh, on a parchment covered baking sheet, uh, spread them out thin so they really cook well. It'll change your life. Oh my gosh, I'm so doing this. This is so yeah. exciting. Yeah, it's really fun. So it's so random that you said that. I'm going to my girlfriend's 40th birthday in North Carolina this weekend. So I was thinking like, what snacks can I bring on the plane? <laughs> this is perfect. Well, there you go. 
Okay, so, but I'm also, I'm not of menopausal age yet, but this is something that I should be doing as well because it's a big why not, would you say? You can do it anytime you want to. And if you're feeling well now, it's, it's, it's something to try. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, soy products also cut the risk of bad things happening like breast cancer. So I'm of the opinion that if, if, if we want to add soy to her diet, it's going to make her healthy over, uh, over the long run for sure. Absolutely. I'm all about this because I'm just, I geek out on finding new health foods or new ways to make health foods in a different way. So that's like my jam. So this is super exciting. Cool. And then I can teach people what, who are of age that, you know, this is something very simple that you can do. And hopefully our listeners are taking notes and we'll put it in the show notes as well, exactly how to do it. But it sounds like step one, go plant-based if you're not already. Step two, start adding that soy in. And then Dr. Barnard just gave us an amazing way to make it a couple of different ways. And then we've got your book, Your Body in Balance, that has these incredible recipes. So tell me about some of the recipes, how you came up with them. I mean, I have bookmarked a bunch. I'm excited to try. Well, you know, uh, I want to tip my hat to Lindsay S. Nixon. Lindsay Nixon is my personal hero. She's she is been doing she's been doing this for a really long time, and she's a great recipe developer because she'll make recipes that are really familiar. So I can make tacos and chowder and chili and lentil soup and things like that. So it's, it's something that a, a skeptical person and their reluctant spouse are going to recognize. <laughs> They're going to say, okay. And then you look at how long does it take to make, you know, 20 minutes, 15 minutes. Okay. So, so I don't have to become a junior gourmet and it's pretty simple ingredients. So for example, she's got a, a, a pancake recipe that's very, you know, you just leave out the butter and the eggs and things and it's good. And a breakfast crostini that's kind of like, it's sort of like an eggs Benedict sort of thing, only totally vegan, totally healthy. But my one of my favorites really is there's an autumn chowder that when it's starting to get a little crispy outside, it's starting to get a little cold, and you know you're you want more substantive foods. Did you ever have a recipe that you made it and it was pretty, it was like really good and really tasty, but you saved some in the fridge, and the next day you had it again, and for some reason it was better now. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you have it the third day, and it's somehow the spices are kind of maturing in the after it's cooked. And th- this autumn chowder is a recipe that's in your body and balance that, that Lindsay made. It's one of my favorites because it's like that. It's one of these recipes that just the bigger the batch that you make, and the longer I keep it around, the better. The better. I mean, you know, there's a limit, but um, it, it's really quite good. And she has many others. There's a chipotle chili that is exactly what it sounds like. Um, and so when people do do this, they discover, I, instead of it being vegan, being hard, it's easy. It, it's not like I have to go to the gym and sweat and suffer. I mean, that's good. Going to the gym is great, but going vegan is like simple. It's, it, it is so much easier than people imagine. And it's about just about the only thing that you can do that is going to rub off dramatically on the people that you know, on your children, on your family, on your loved ones, maybe on your parents. Yeah. They, they see what you're they're doing. They want to try it. They want to read what you're reading, eat what you're eating, watch the movies that you're watching. And you're not just going to save your life. You're going to inspire them to start thinking more broadly. And you might end up saving their life too. 
I mean, this is something that's happening to me all the time now, where I'll go to an event. For example, I was just in a, an event in Nashville, and this also happened to me at a wedding recently. And both times, I was served the special vegan meal because I had requested an advance, right? And everyone was like, what did you get, and how do I get that? And I'm like, giving taste, and they're like, this is better than my meal. So the vegan food now is so good. The chefs know how to make it. You can learn how to make it at home. And like, it is rubbing off. And I had this like vegan sausage pasta that they made for me special and literally everyone at the table was like i want that like how do we get that and the chefs were like i'm so sorry you didn't ask for the vegan meal you know yeah no that's exactly the case in fact um with the women in our research studies they always talk about how when you're going to go to a special event if you're not sure that they'll have something you might even bring something but what they've learned is that when you bring something, everybody else wants to eat it. So exactly. you, you have to bring about like five times as much as you're going to eat. So you're, you're going to a barbecue and you're bringing the veggie hot dogs or whatever the case may be. Bring a whole lot extra because everybody else sees it and they think, okay, where have you been all my life? This is what I want to do. Exactly. I always bring the vegan cheese plate. So I'll put together some oh, yeah. Kite Hill and Miyoko's and all kinds of things. And then I'll bring the cheese plate, place it down at the party. And it's for everyone. And half the time people are like, what is this? Like, where do I get this? And they cannot believe that it's made of almonds or whatever it might be. You know, they're just like blown away. Yeah, exactly. And, and that allows people to start rethinking things. And it starts them re realizing that it's possible to make a change. And then it also allows them to start rethinking things in their own lives. Like somebody might have hot flashes, they might have heart disease, they know that's related to diet. But there's somebody else there who's got something like acne or a thyroid problem or, or even something like mood problems or depression. And the discussion starts going around to, can foods maybe help me with, with those things too? And the, yeah. po the possibilities start opening up to all the things that we can do. Now, this is real life and not everything's perfect, but it's, it's astounding to see what diet changes are able to accomplish for us. I mean, yeah, that's why there are foods that are specifically designed to boost your mood, and they do. And so instead of taking all of these medications that suppress our depression and things like that, there's so much we can do nutritionally first and take that step to see if that works. And you can literally boost your mood with food and with music and with other things, with exercise. But I, it always comes down to the food for me first. I know that I am affected if I choose even the vegan junk food one day over the health junk food, right? And so you can feel the difference and you can feel how your body feels and you can up your mood or you can, you know the food that makes you feel bad, especially if you do a food journal, then it's super clear. You're like, oh, why do I have a headache? Oh, why do I feel low now? Well, you took, you ate some food that is now, you know, your body has to work extra hard to digest and it's affecting your gut. Our gut is our second brain. Everything is connected. People have no idea how connected everything we put on our plate is to everything else we're feeling. You know, we l learned about this in a surprising way, and it was a bit of an accident. We were doing a research study with Geico, the, the car insurance company, uh -huh. because their, um, their national headquarters is quite near my office. And so a number of years ago, we started working with the employees there. And it was people who had diabetes they wanted to get better, or people who just had weight that they wanted to lose. And so we went to the Geico headquarters and we worked with the cafeteria manager to have vegan food in the cafeteria. And then once a week we would have a class. And as time went on, we tracked everybody's weight and we tracked their blood pressure and we tracked their cholesterol and their blood sugars. And, and what you would expect to happen, happened that people lost weight and if they had diabetes, it improved. However, 
we were also tracking mood, which you can do with some standardized paper and pencil tests. Mm. And we looked specifically at depression and depression for people who had it, it started to get substantially better. Anxiety started to diminish. And then we just looked at job absenteeism and that went way down as well. And so we started to realize that it's somehow either a direct effect of the foods on the brain or an indirect effect. Like you were saying that the foods affect your gut microbiome that in turn feeds back to the brain in a helpful way. People just started to feel better. And, and probably best of all is if people will combine a high fiber, healthy plant-based diet, which gets your gut in a healthier way. If you combine that with lacing up your sneakers and giving your heart a little bit of a workout, um, whether you're by yourself or ideally with somebody else, uh, maybe out in the sunshine. And if you add those things together, the healthy diet, the regular exercise, the camaraderie, it is like a really good, healthy antidepressant, except that all the side effects are good ones. Absolutely. Absolutely. I could not agree more because it does boost your mood to be around other people. And I mean, I was all, I was just thinking like, does my dog count? And I'm like, yeah, because she makes me happy. But being around other people and there's so much more to nutrition. There's so much more to healing the body than food, but food is number one. And then when you do everything else, it just catapults you to new levels of health that you never even dreamed was possible. Like I've never felt better in my life. I, I, as a 40 year old, I feel better than I did when I was in my 20s, you know, because I've completely changed my diet. I've completely changed who I surround myself with. Like I'm vibing high because I'm around people who vibe high as well. Yeah. And, you know, to tell you the truth, your dog might be better than some of the people you could spend some time that with. That is true. <laughs> okay. Not that we're taking any names here, but I have to say when, when, when you're taking care of an animal and you're giving of yourself, you know, uh, animals need all the friends that they can get and they're, and they, they help us in so many ways. So hang, hanging out with them is going to be a great mood booster for you too. There, There's a lot of people make fun of people for calling their dogs therapy dogs. And I'm like, y'all just don't have a dog because every dog is a therapy dog. <laughs> hey, let's, let's face it. They don't smoke in your house. They don't borrow money. They never say anything bad about you when you're gone. You know, we, we really ought to give them some respect. Absolutely. They <laughs> give you unconditional love no matter what you do. Yeah. Or at least they'll pretend to love you. Yeah, so. uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay, I have to go back to the book for a second because I'm very excited about it. Your Body in Balance, The New Science of Food, Hormones, and Health. And so I know you said, Lindsay, did some of these recipes, but I have to shout some of them out because like you said, there's a lot that are just like people, people have this misbelief sometimes who are not plant-based yet that, well, what do you eat? And so I want to shout out some of these recipes so you know. We eat what you eat. Here's, we just have a vegan version. So like buffaloed pasta salad, coconut cauliflower curry, chipotle chili. Um, let's see what else is my bookmark. Oh, this one. Kale and sweet potato sushi. You know, sushi was one of the last things I gave up when I went plant-based. And I don't miss it because there are so many easy vegetarian sushi options and alternatives. Rainbow nori sushi rolls, black-eyed peas, tacos, barbecue bean tortas. So you're covering every kind of food, butternut pasta, I mean, chocolate cupcakes, you make tofu, mayonnaise, the list goes on and on. So I wanted to shout out some of these because it's like, there, you're going to eat an abundance of food if you decide to do this, if you're not already here with us right now. I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, exactly right. 
people are used to thinking of diets as being depriving because they used to be. Um, back in the 1950s, if you went on a diet that your doctor gave you, the, the principle was just cut way down on calories. So your food portions were tiny. And by about Wednesday, you felt like eating a sofa. And so it was pretty unpleasant. But with a plant-based diet, what are you doing? You're just making a qualitative shift toward healthier foods. You're getting away from the animal products and the junk and you're eating healthy plant-based foods. Um, the taste is all there. The taste is, if anything, better and more varied than it was before. Nation, do you have a garden and do you know how to keep it healthy this winter? Since 1974, True Leaf Market has been the choice of over a million growers for heirloom and organic garden seeds. And the end of the gardening season is here, so it's the ideal time to rehab your garden soil by growing what we call a cover crop. So cover crops have been used in agriculture for thousands of years as a way to naturally and sustainably improve soil quality. A lot of gardeners don't actually realize that they can grow cover crops and get the same benefits as the large farms do. So what do cover crops do? They add organic biomass to the soil. They keep the soil bacteria healthy. They add nutrients. They attract pollinators and beneficial insects. They improve the soil structure and it prevents erosion. Cover crops can be used in backyard gardens, raised beds, and even container gardens. And look, it's pretty inexpensive. It's actually under $25 for most backyard gardens. And these cover crops are skyrocketing in popularity with home gardeners all over the world. And it's really the biggest bang for your buck in terms of improving the health of your garden season. So all you're going to do is you're going to plant your cover crop seeds at the end of the gardening season. You're going to let winter kill or terminate the crops and let mother nature do the rest. You can get a free PDF beginner's guide to growing cover crops over at trueleafmarket.com. All you have to do is search cover crop guide. And while you're there, don't forget to order your cover crop seeds. Use the promo code FH15, that's FH15 as in Food Heals 15, to save 15% off your cover crop seeds. Again, it's all over at trueleafmarket.com, discount code FH15. We're talking about menopause because that is what the study was about that you just came out with. And we're talking about mood and everything else. But tell me also about other things that people are healing, like thyroid problems, like diabetes? What are some of the things that people are able to heal, reverse, and at least feel better with going plant-based? Well, diabetes is the one that really got everybody's attention because di diabetes is a killer. Um, it's a condition where people, they often lose their eyesight or becomes very impaired. It leads to amputations, leads to kidney damage. And back 20 years ago, we started seeing cases of diabetes improving dramatically, uh, people reducing their medicines, and then the diabetes would start to just disappear in some people. They just didn't seem to have it anymore. And that was a complete 180 for the world of medicine because we thought diabetes couldn't go away. It couldn't get better. It always got worse. Well, it became a two-way street. That was really life-changing for so many people. In the course of these studies, though, that opened the door to other things. We would do our studies. The guys with diabetes would come in, and they would very often discover that their erectile dysfunction Got, they, they, that went away too. Yes. And, they, and they would come in saying, Doc, wait a minute, you didn't tell me about this. <laughs> so, well, that wasn't the point. You know, um, you know, impotence isn't going to kill you. He said, yeah, but even so. Um, uh, 
I'm not sure how their wives feel about it, but they, for the guys, this has been a big thing. And so we, we started to discover that that was maybe something we should have expected because erectile dysfunction is caused by narrowed arteries. And the arteries are narrowed by cholesterol and animal fat year after year after year. You take that out of your diet, the arteries open up again. And so erectile dysfunction very often improves dramatically. We see that. The, the weight loss is much easier and more permanent with this approach than any others. And then we've been turning our, our attention toward more complex things like the, the thyroid gland at the base of your neck. People are not even thinking about it, but the, what they notice is they don't have any energy. Mm-hmm. And they look in the mirror and they say, I don't look good. I just, my hair, you know, there's something wrong with me. And you go to the doctor and you say, I, I can't make any sense of these symptoms, but maybe you can. The doctor's antennae go right up. Wait a minute. <laughs> you're, you're, you're gaining a little bit of weight. You notice changes in your skin and hair and your energy is down. How's your digestion? Oh, doc, you know, my digestion is like, okay, wait a minute, stop. The doctor is already suspecting that your thyroid is not up to up to speed. The doctor draws a blood sample, sends it to the lab. Congratulations, you're hypothyroid. And at that point, it meant a lifetime of pills. The new research is that diet is critical to keeping your thyroid working so that it, in turn, can energize your body and keep you feeling healthy. So those are all things that have been on the frontiers of medicine. But for anybody who just felt like, their energy was bad, and it's just something that I can't get over. We now have better ways to tackle it than we ever did before. And going back to what you said about um, the erectile dysfunction, there is the greatest scene in the movie, The Game Changers, where they show the before and after of these athletes who um, some, you know, one eats a burger, one eats plant-based, one eat I forget. And then they show them sleeping and how many erections they have at night. And it is really funny and really fascinating. And I think it helped turn a lot of guys, change their minds about this plant-based diet because it is such a macho thing to eat meat, you know, that's complete garbage. But we know that that's out there. So you, if you haven't seen that movie, Food Heals Nation, please go check it out because it is so amazing and so funny. It really is. And, and what it really means is that if you're eating what people think of as the manly diet with, with steak and chicken and fish, and I'm eating all of this meat, the cholesterol and fat are the biggest contributors to erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if a guy's got ED or he's got man boobs or whatever, a, a, a plant-based diet is part of the solution to making all those things go away. I know we only have a few more minutes, so last question, and then we'll talk about how everyone can find you online, get the book, work with you, all that good stuff. But last thing is, when you talk to your other medical colleagues about nutrition, are they surprised by what you tell them that nutrition can do? Because not everyone is a doctor on the same page as you are, and that's why it's so refreshing to talk to you. But what are your colleagues thinking and saying? Um, I would say 15 years ago, they were surprised more and sometimes really questioning. But that has changed so much in just the past few years, where now virtually every doctor, when the patient comes in and says, I think I want to go vegan, the doctor could just jump up and, and, and say, this is, this is the greatest thing. You're going to really take care of yourself in a much better way than before. Uh, we work with a lot of doctors now, um, and we have a huge uh, annual conference. And we have in a room a 1,000 doctors who want to learn about this approach. So their big question really, though, isn't will it work they know it will work their question is will my patient want to do it or will they just really feel like 
fried chicken is something they really can't get away from. And right. so, so sometimes doctors and, and other people will sell themselves a little short because they don't realize that there's a whole world of better foods out there for you. And it's, this is the most sustainable diet a person could ever be on. You know, it's something that I, I do understand because many people just want to pop the pill and keep living the life that they're living. But for me, I was seeking this information. This is all I wanted to hear when we were back in North Carolina and it was, you know, 2004 uh, when my mom died of cancer and then 2007 when my father died and they had the same oncologist. And I said, does nutrition matter? And the oncologist said, no, they can eat whatever they want. And so that knowledge and information was not given to me when I was seeking it. Because I was like, I will do anything. I will cook for them every day. Like, I was in college, so I had a lot of freedom. I was like, I will cook them the proper meals. Like, I will give them salads. Because I'm thinking nutrition must have something to do with it. But when the doctor told me in front of my family that it didn't, it was like, that was the word of God. And now nutrition is out the window. We're going to eat whatever we want while we're getting our chemo treatments and slowly dying. And so I was like, you know, now my life has changed. But back then I was seeking the information and it wasn't given it to me, given to me. So at least if they can give the information to those who are seeking it, that will make a huge difference because I would have taken action on that. And that's why I do what I do because I wasn't given the information. So I, now I have to give it to everyone. I You know, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear what happened to your family. And I, I think that there's this trap that sometimes doctors fall into which is they want people to not feel responsible for their condition. So, so if, if they're afraid to say, look, the foods that you've been eating are terrible, and if you'd eat better, you, you might live longer. They don't want to say that. But the fact of the matter is there's some truth to that. And researchers have been looking at the diets that men and women are following, not just leading up to a cancer diagnosis, but when a person has cancer. And we found that, let's say a woman has, had, has a breast cancer diagnosis, if she changes her diet now and she starts losing weight and she's eating a healthier diet that's, that's abundant in fruits and vegetables, that's low in fat, that's got soy in it, her likelihood of surviving is much greater. For a man who's got prostate cancer and he goes on a plant-based diet and he's eating a healthier diet, his ability to slow down that cancer, is he, he's just got... A, a, a dramatic set of tools he didn't have before. Now, we didn't have as much science back in 2004 as we have now, but we've got it now and we've got no excuse. We have to allow people to put this to work. Absolutely. And that's why I follow PCRM. That's why I follow the work of Dr. Michael Greger. You know, when people ask me, well, why are you vegan? Why are you plant-based? I say, because research shows it's the most anti cancer diet out there and I will never die of cancer. And that is my number one goal of life. So thank you so much for being here. And um, I do want to ask one last question before I ask where everyone can find you online. So I did lie a little bit. I didn't mean to, but I just thought of one. What's next for you? What are you working on next? What are you going to come back next year and be talking about with us? Well, you never know the results of your research studies before you do them. That's why you do them. But we are starting two new studies. One is a study on young women who have a condition called endometriosis, mm. where you've got really bad cramps and and nothing seems to help. Um, so we're, we're starting that study in a couple months, and we're also doing a study in younger people who have diabetes, type 1 diabetes, to see how diet will affect them. We're also doing a lot more studies in women who have menopause now because we're really learning how to refine this kind of diet approach and how people will put it to work. And then we're also we're doing classes for people who 
want to study what we found in our research. So, for example, for women who have hot flashes, they can go to our website, pcrm.org, sign up for a, a free class. It doesn't cost anything. And we'll show them how we tackle hot flashes. And they can put it to work in their lives. That is so awesome. Thank you. I'm so excited for those. They're, they're, well, they're, they're fun and, and, um, and, and it's, it's and a bit dramatic at the same time because you, you can see how, how people's lives really change. <laughs> well, I really appreciate all this great information. This is going to help so many people. Always appreciate you. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can everyone follow you online, stalk you, get the book, all the goods? Well, our website is PCRM. Dot org. That's Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, PCRM.org. And your body imbalance is on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com and just everywhere where they have books. And frankly, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that there's actually maybe a bookstore in your neighborhood that is opening its door now and letting people in because they, they, they need some love too. Go buy it from your local bookstore. I do love that. Dr. Barnard, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you. Well, thank you. It's great talking with you today. All right, Food Heals Nation, I'm here with Tina Anderson from Just Thrive Health. So in the past two years, we're really seeing the number of people affected by things like celiac disease and wheat allergies and sensitivities and gluten allergies and sensitivities. This is on the rise. It's rising quickly and dramatically. So if we're trying to reduce our gluten intake, what can we do to support a gluten-free or a gluten-light diet? And why is that so important when it comes to healing our gut as well? Yeah, um, great question, Allison. And I think the important thing is that there's actually not one person out there that doesn't have some sensitivity to gluten. Even though we th- we don't notice it outwardly, we know that gluten is actually um, very offensive to our gut lining, which causes you know a lot of problems for people in the first place. So I would definitely encourage people to eat as gluten-free as possible. Um, and then another great solution would be to take our Gluten Away, Just Thrive's Gluten Away product, which has a really, really key enzyme in it called Tolerase G. And this enzyme actually breaks down, it cuts the gluten molecules down in the stomach before it ever even gets to the intestines um, into like non-toxic levels. So um, we definitely would recommend um, that you take it before a meal. And it's a it's just a great product to have on hand. It's not a replacement. I would never tell people to take it and, and then just go ahead and eat gluten. It's more to take it in case of that accidental exposure to gluten, which if you have celiac could be very, you know, it could, it could be deadly even if you have some, you know, exposure to gluten. Right. Okay. So it's not an excuse to eat gluten, but it's kind of something that you can do when that may occur. I appreciate that very much. And I know it's so important for the healing of our gut. So Food Heals Nation, you can check this out at justthrivehelp.com. Get your gluten away on and use the coupon code FOODHEALS15. You'll save 15% off. Thanks, Tina. Thank you, Allison. Alexa is passionate about educating people about how the body works, first and foremost, and then teaching them how to fuel that body with the right foods and how to care for that body with exercise. All the right things. Here's a quote from her website that we love. What we think or what we know or what we believe is, in the end, of little consequence. The only consequence is what we do. Um, that is so true, Food Heals Nation. I love that. You know, I, I, I love that because um, 
there's such a big, at least here in LA, uh, big, big emphasis on what you believe or what you think. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that is great, but you also need action. Like power of manifestation does not work unless you take action. I know because I would sit back and try to meditate my way into things I want. Right, you need right. to take the action to create uh, your reality. You can meditate all day long, but you still have to go out and get shit done. Yeah. <laughs> so. so it's not it's not just thought. It's thought and action together, and especially with your body. Because yeah. to claim your health, you have to know what steps to take and then act on them. And chances are your healthy body will emerge. So we're so excited to have her here. Welcome, Alexa. Thank you so much for having me on. We're so glad to have you. Another fellow podcaster. That's right. That's right. And we were interrupted by nature last time because there was a crazy storm where Alexa was. Oh, yeah. And the earth said, no, you have to reschedule. So (laughs) here we are. I know. It's crazy. It's actually almost, I mean, it's going to storm again today. So you're kidding. Let's hope we can pull this through. No, (laughs) I'm not kidding. Let's dive right in. (laughs) Okay, so you're a podcaster, Simple Roots Radio. Your website is Simple Roots Wellness. What is Simple Roots? Tell us, how did you get into that and what does that mean to you? Yeah, so I went to school for traditional nutrition. And, you know, when I was at school, I graduated with it. I could have become an RD, but it just didn't all add up to me. Like, you know, when you're sitting in class and your professor's drinking Diet Pepsi and, you know, trying to give you hints on how to tell other people to eat, like it just didn't match what we were learning about metabolism. So I knew there was some kind of disconnect. I just didn't really know what at the time, like it just didn't feel right. And so after I graduated, I had actually opened up my own gym right before I graduated from college. And so I just kind of dove into that, just wanting to learn more about the human body, you know, like watching people and being with them and then also diving into more of a holistic approach. Like I can't pinpoint like one thing that didn't make sense, but there was just like a whole emotion of just not feeling good about it. And so I took a few years and just really studied on my own, the more holistic side of nutrition, you know, how the body actually works and really just trying to bring that to a simplified level. And so once I started into the nutrition field, I started the website, Simple Roots Wellness, and I really came up with the name, obviously naming something is kind of challenging, but I've always really loved to simplify complex manners. Like I just look at nutrition in general and think that we just over complicate the matter. And really, if we just get back to the basics, it becomes pretty simple and pretty clear. Um, And so it's kind of sifting through all this like nonsense and all this junk and all this confusion and really just getting back to, to what's important and how our body actually works. So, I mean, simple and roots to me kind of go hand in hand. It's like getting back to our roots, getting back to our metabolism and how our bodies were designed, but also on the other hand, getting back to how our ancestors ate and really just understanding that we leave a legacy through how our body is and how healthy it is. You know, like if we're going to have children or we have had children, the influence and the impact that that has on coming generations is huge, probably bigger than most of us even think about. And so just understanding that this is like through our roots, it happens through our roots and we leave roots for other generations, but also just the simple aspect of it of like, if we can just get back to the basics and just really figure out your your own body, then it does become simple in a way. It's not overcomplicated or stuffy or just like jumping from thing to thing to thing. Like just become something enjoyable, something so many people miss. I love all of that. And I'm so impressed that you were in school for this and trusting your own gut instinct that was saying, yeah, you're drinking diet soda 
And the rest of what you're saying, there's something off. I really give you credit for that because most people would just be like, no, this is a program and it's accredited and it's through my, you know, (laughs) it's got to be real. Right. And and the more that Allison and I have done interviews and the more I study about nutrition, the more I realize how much different information or disparate or contradictory information is out there. So the fact that you listen to your gut, A, I give you applause for that. That's amazing. And then one of the other things I wanted to bring up, because I don't think we've ever specifically talked about this, you mentioned diet soda. And Mm -hmm. I have a particular vehemence for diet soda. First of all, I think it tastes gross. <laughs> Second of all, because of because of the fake sweetener, but so much of our country is like, no, no, it's fine. It's sugar-free. It's it's diet. Right. It's, I just wanted to point that out and, and bring it up to you, like how bad for us fake sweetener is. Never mind, like, yeah, we're addicted to sugar and we shouldn't have too much sugar. We know that. But a lot of people think if it's not sugar, if it's, you know, NutraSweet or what are the other aspartame, ones? Splenda, right. aspartame, that right. it's okay. And people don't know that these are actually toxic, um, that they're neurotoxins and that, you know, the FDA clears them because in small amounts shown in rats, it's fine, but in large right. amounts. <laughs> but, but people I'm, are drinking five Diet Cokes right. a day and, and, and thinking and it's a health food. And they don't, and people just sometimes, even members of my own family, where I'm like, what are you drinking? Where it's like our body doesn't know how to process that. It sticks it in our liver and God knows what, how that's going to affect us. Yeah. So what are, what are your thoughts on that? And the fact that right. your teacher is drinking Diet Coke. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, it's funny because he's drinking Diet Coke because they're doing studies on aspartame trying to prove that they're not bad for you. But if you look at you know, who's funding those, well, then it gets even stickier, right? Because it's like Pepsi and Coca-Cola. And, I was about you know, like to say that. <laughs> right. Who's so there's funding so it? Much... Follow the money. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I would say, like, I'm a science girl. Like, I like the science. But, you know, when, when people come back to me and they're like, oh, what's your backing to say that? And I'm like, well, science can really go no matter what way you want it to. Like, in the end, it's kind of pulled via who's funding the source. And, and so who's interpreting the data. scientific yeah. research is kind of non-existent, I would say. And some degree. I mean, not always, we can always get something. So I would just go back to like, like just looking at the human body and like how it's reacting, like regardless of like how much science there is. I mean, we can get into metabolism and all that stuff. And, and that's great. But we just have this like, it's like such a mental battle, right? Because one sugar is a known drug, it's very addictive. And so artificial sweetener is even more so because I think what people don't understand about artificial sweeteners is that they do have calories in them. And most people drink them because they're calorie free. Now, the, how they get around the calories is that they use such a small amount of that sweetener because it's like thousands of times sweeter than natural sugar. Um, and so it seems great. But what it's really doing is it's just inducing a response in your body, a hormonal response, which I think is important to take note of, because once we start screwing with our hormones, everything just gets out of whack. So, you know, we could say, and and it's true that, you know, all these artificial sweeteners are neurotoxins and they're damaging our body and they're just kind of getting clogged up in our system. So totally true. But the other aspect that I think is just as important and something that people can actually feel is that it's also inducing a hormonal response in our body. And we can't really override our hormones. They're the main communicators of our system. And so when we consume something that's sweet, um, you know, like our first, like when you salivate, you know, like if you look at something that looks good, right, we start salivating. So once we start salivating, our body's already starting to change its hormone structure. It's releasing different hormones. And so Mm, when we taste like, yeah, so when we do that, 
like at the sight of food or at the taste of something sweet, even if it doesn't have calories in it, our body starts releasing insulin into our bloodstream to prepare for that. And so once you consume something and it doesn't have any calories and it tastes sweet, right? We now have this spike of insulin, but we have no blood sugar to actually get rid of the insulin in the bloodstream. And so when insulin is just floating around in the bloodstream, our body doesn't like congested bloodstream. That's why it tends to put like these neurotoxins that just pumps them into fat cells and stores them in the liver because it doesn't like excess things floating around in the bloodstream. And so it just pumps it into all these places until it has time to deal with it. Well, insulin is one of those things too, that it doesn't just float around in there. And the only way you can get rid of it is to use it. And the only way you can use insulin is through sugar. And so what happens is insulin's high, but you drank all this, you know, artificial sweetener with no sugar in it. And so you're, you still have this high insulin. And so what it's doing is it's kind of inducing hunger in you. So you actually end up eating more and more sweet things than you would if you just didn't have it at all. I've never heard it stated that way. This is great. Yeah. So it's a little different. I mean, it, I think because I feel like when I go into like the neurotoxin route and like that, it's really, really harmful for your body. It totally is. But people always are like, oh, like, yeah, but my body could get rid of that. Right. Like I have a good functioning liver. I have a high metabolism. But no, but well, but it's no, your body can't get rid of it because it's not a natural substance. It's, it's, you know, bombarded with hydrogen atoms so that your body can't recognize it so that it doesn't, you know what I mean? It's not, there's no aspartame tree. There's no Nutrisweet bush. It's like, it doesn't exist in nature. Makes me angry. Right. And it's, I mean, it's so true. Like whenever you spike your insulin, right, that's also the only point at which you can develop new body fat cells, right? Like that's a direct correlation to insulin levels. And so if insulin spikes and you're putting on all this artificial sweeteners, well, your body can still turn on that process of developing new fat cells. So when you do eat, right, you're just developing excess body fat stores. And you're also pumping all those neurotoxins back into fat cells because it's a really safe place. So your fat cells are not just made up of fat, they're made up of toxins and all this other junk that your body really can't get rid of. And so yeah, it's just so negative, you know, like, and it all stems from this is what blows my mind. It all stems from the fear of calories. Like if we could just wrap our mind around the fact that calories are life-giving, like calories are needed in our body to do the job that it was designed to do. It's not something to fear. And yet we, you know, like all of this negative behavior just stems from this phobia to calories. Calories are life-giving. I like that as a reframe because there's so much misinformation about calories in, calories out, right? And that's been proven untrue time and time again, but the media still perpetuates it as a way to live. And so people are like calorie counting to this day, which we know is ridiculous because it's the quality of the calories that matters. So I like how you said calories are life-giving because it's food that sustains us in that way. So it's the quality of calories that matters, not the amount. Well, and I think that ties into the processed foods because if you're eating whole foods, as Alexa talks about, going back to what our ancestors ate, you know, if you're eating foods from the earth versus processed junk food that have hidden calories and chemicals, is there's such a big difference. And that's and that's what you see on TV, like they're counting calories, like Jenny Craig, you know, eat this packaged cookie or cracker or whatever. There's all those diet programs. Yeah. And it's not natural home cooked foods. It's processed prepackaged stuff. Right. Calorie deficit can only work so long. You know, like if we consume less calories than we take in, like your body can only withstand that for a period of time before it just kind of 
I mean, that's why 98% of all diets fail. We always end up right back where we started. And worse, in most cases, it's because you've lost all trust in your body. It reaches the point where it can't sustain that anymore. And so it just entices you to binge on whatever you can in most cases. But it's also, in the meantime, eating away all of your muscle, which is metabolically active for energy. So to me, a calorie deficit is doing more harm than it is any good. I always say I'd rather people be overfed on the right foods than underfed on anything. Yeah, say that again, girl. I would rather people be overfed on the right foods than underfed on anything. Preach. Could not agree more. <laughs> it's a hard philosophy, though. <laughs> well, I did a I did a raw food cleanse. Um, I don't think I could be a raw foodist, but I, I love raw food. I think it's delicious. And when I do it as a cleanse, I remember I got like I got it from a place here in Santa Monica because preparing raw food is quite an ordeal. There's a lot of dehydrating and rehydrating. And, and you got to know what you're doing to make done, it good. <laughs> yeah. When it's done right, it's delicious. But when I got my box of food for the week, they said, you know, when I was first doing it, they said, eat until you are satisfied, eat and eat as much as you want until you're full. We guarantee you it won't take as much as you think. And that is the first time I've ever heard that. And I actually knew it was good for me because it was all raw, you know, vegetables right. and fruits and nuts and seeds. And to have that permission that I can eat as much of this whole big right. box of food that I want <laughs> was really liberating. Right. Absolutely. I mean, it's kind of like the mindset of like, if we're told we can't do it, then yeah. we want to do it. But if you're given free access, then it's just like, oh, well, this isn't as fun anymore. Like yeah. <laughs> the responsibility falls more on you. It's totally a mind change. I do it with my kids. Like, you know, if I told them that they couldn't eat any of the bad foods, right? Like, not that I love them to do that. It kind of makes me cringe a little bit, but I know that if I restrict them from that, they're going to want it. Yeah. Especially if they see their friends eating it. Yeah. Right. But if I just sit back and like explain like, okay, but remember, like, this is how it's going to make your body feel. Or this is, you know, why we shouldn't eat a lot of it, like kind of always go back to how our body feels, then it's like, they will take a couple bites of ice cream and be done, or they'll eat half a cookie, you know, like, it's just like, once they have control, it changes things. But if I'm trying to take control, then it's like, oh, I'm gonna rebel against you. I mean, we all do it. We see it. Like, if someone told me I couldn't eat something, I'd want it, you know, like, it's an obsession, then. I know a great example of this when we had Robin Openshaw on, and I'm sorry, I've talked about this before, but I just love this story. She made a green smoothie and her little son was like, mommy, what's that? And she's like, oh, it's mommy's ice cream. It's mommy's smoothie. And the kid was like, well, obviously I need to have that. And she's like, no, 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 it's mommy's. <laughs> right. The kid drinks the entire green smoothie and becomes addicted to the green smoothies is the moral of the story because of, it's the yeah. psychology around it. It really is. Oh, it's Especially it really with kids. Is. Yep. Mm -hmm. Such a mind game. So what are some other myths of wellness that you've come across that you like to debunk? Well, obviously, one that we've heard all the time is that, you know, fat isn't the culprit. I would totally agree with that. We've lived in low fat nation for so long. And obviously, it's done us no good. I mean, we're just (laughs) more sick than we've ever been. And aka no fun nation. Right, right, right. Fat's fun. (laughs) Fat is fun. (laughs) And it makes things taste so better. Like we wonder why people won't eat their vegetables. It's because they won't have like any healthy fats to go with it to make them taste better. I'm a big proponent of that. And like when, even when we look at cravings, like one of the best ways to overcome sugar is not to just give up sugar, but it's to retrain your body by just kind of 
pushing out or not making room for sugar by eating more of the right foods. So mm-hmm. like when I go into like, oh, you, you're obsessed with sugar, uh, you want sugar all the time, and you're trying to get over it. Well, don't focus on giving up sugar. Let's focus on adding all these positive things in and see if we can just make you more satisfied that those don't even sound enticing. So again, it's kind of like the reverse psychology of it. But yeah, I really am a big proponent that fat is good. But even more than that, you know, like I'm a nutritionist, I'm supposed to talk about food all day. But I think that nutrition is just a very small piece of the puzzle. And I think that, you know, how we live our life, you know, like having a firm foundation of a mental structure, if we don't have that, I don't think we're going to get anywhere. You know, like we can do diets or we can live a healthy life for a period of time. But unless we're doing it for the right reasons, we always end up right back to where we started. And so often that I see people do it for the wrong reasons, like, oh, I have my daughter's wedding coming up or a class reunion or, you know, it's bikini weather. And I'm just like, yeah, but that's not going to get you anywhere long term, right? Like we want this quick fix, but we don't want to do it with the right foundation, which is all mental. It's bringing up hard things. It's talking to people about it. It's being vulnerable really with it and accepting kind of who you are and moving forward through that. So I think that's a huge aspect that so many people miss. Yeah. And it's like, if you don't deal with the issues that are causing you to eat certain foods, to overeat, to crave all these things, then you can't just do it with your willpower because there's no willpower when you haven't gotten to the root, like simple roots, the whole, you know, everything that you do. And so getting back to the roots of our thoughts and our mindset and going, what affected me at childhood that is now making me eat or act this way? And it's diet versus lifestyle. So you look, I've done this trying to fit into a dress for a wedding. Of course, we've all done it. But the point is a diet versus a lifestyle, a diet is a temporary thing that you're going to go back and change your habits back to, you know, the bad ones. And a lifestyle is when you go, I made these decisions for life and I'll never go back and I'm still working on it. But the decisions I've made for life, I haven't gone back on. And those are the ones that, you know, sustain me and keep me healthy. For sure. Right. I mean, it's just a lifestyle change and it doesn't happen over. And I, I think that's what's hard is that we live in this convenience world and we expect to get everything right now. You know, but when we take the responsibility back on ourselves and we really start to value and respect who we are and what our body has done and is capable of, I think it kind of changes things. But again, it's working through hard things. And I feel like we just internalize so many things and we don't want to work through them. You know, like we just have this block that we, we forget that the past, yes, has defined us, but it doesn't have to define us if we just deal with it. Things that have happened in our past or what's happening now is kind of like the anchor. And until we deal with that, we're really never going to get anywhere quickly um, because we're always going to kind of be dragged down by that. So how do we deal with it? Give us some examples. Give us some tools. This is an area that I'm learning a lot about right now and I'm super passionate about. And, and here's the deal. I would tell you that I could tell you a lot more about nutrition and eating than I could about this aspect, right? Because I think it's, again, so different for everyone. If we want to talk nutrition, I can do that all day. But I'm just going to be honest, like that area is so mind boggling to me and how to deal and pull out those emotions. But I always like to go back to like kind of starting with, um, and I had a, a guest on not long ago and talked about like your why. So like, why do you want to do this? And then it just like keeps going. And they say there's like a five layer deep why. So it's just like you start with your initial why, like I want to do this to be healthier for my grandkids. Well, why? Like, why do you want to do that? And like kind of define your end vision, like kind of paint a picture of what you want your life to look like. Kind of like, you know, you maybe would in a business or a job or, you know, 
if you were training for a race, like, what do you really want? What does that look like? And then you can like work on steps to get there. And I feel like it makes it easier to say, is that making any sense first before I say this next point? Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's all say it's all psychology, which is a field that I've always been fascinated with. It affects us in every way because it's, you know, our brains are with us throughout our entire lives and, and our emotions affect us very deeply, sometimes subconsciously. And I feel like a lot of people, I mean, emotion is very much tied to food and what we eat, especially if people are overeating or eating comfort food or, you know, eating because they don't want to feel their emotions and et cetera. So. Right. Yeah. And it's so true. And so once you have your why, like, you know, where you want to go, just like in a business, again, I feel like they correlate so much. Like, business strategies to just health strategies. And the fact that once you see your why, then it's easier to say yes to the things you really want and to run after and say no to the majority of things that are just going to derail you from that. So, you know, like it's easier to say no to a cupcake or, you know, candy on your coworker's desk when you know exactly where you want to go and you feel good about it. Like you really want it for the right reasons instead of it just being a diet or just another thing that you have to do, then everything else looks so much more enticing. But when you really have like the emotional connection and you create action behind that, that's really how you catapult yourself into success. But again, like another thing that I really live by is you can't get a body you love doing things that you hate. Mm, I love that. Yeah. So it's like a tricky thing of like, I feel like so often these diets or exercise plans, like we just have to do them because we feel like that's the only way. Oh my God. I feel that way about, um, all of the, the programs that are like super high intensity, like P90X. And I know that a lot of people, I think a lot of men more, you know, more than women, but I know women do them too. But like a lot of these super intense, like beat the crap out of yourself body because that's what you should do. Programs are like, kind of self-abusive. I hate them. (laughs) Exactly. And and so many people do, but yet they feel like it's the only way. And it's because, right, someone out there selling something is telling you it's the only way when it really isn't. Like the only way to success is if you really enjoy the way there. Like everything's not going to be pretty. It's not fun bringing up hard things. It's not fun bringing up emotions. But in the end, the journey to success and making this lifelong really has to be enjoyable or you're really not going to sustain it, right? Like it has to bring you joy and it has to bring you excitement. Otherwise, I would say that if it doesn't, like if you're doing something you hate, it's probably never going to work long-term, right? Like if you take someone who hates, like my sister hates to run. And for so many years when I owned the gym, I'm like, just do it. Like everyone's a runner, you can do this. Like, you know, it's all in your head, but she really genuinely hates to run. Now she loves to do other things, right? Like she loves to swim. She would swim every day if she could, right? But she hates to run. And so if she focuses on running, guess what? She never gets up to run. But if she focuses on something she loves, she does it. it and it comes with ease. And that's where the simplicity factor comes in. Fully agree. I love to run and I hate spinning. I hate it. Right? And I made myself do it because it was the, the new thing and it was the hot thing. And they played, you know, awesome music and they had black lights in my gym and they tried it. And I'm like... I hate this and I don't want right. to do it anymore. And I gave myself permission to, you know, do other stuff. 
I used to hate running until I discovered that I had to have my absolute favorite music playlist come on, okay? Mm -hmm. So then I was like, oh, now I love this and I can go forever, but I didn't even listen to music when I was running and I'd be like, why do people love this? I hate this. This is torture. Then after that, I discovered podcasts. This is like years ago, obviously before Susie and I had a podcast. Um, And then I discovered podcasts and I was like, oh my God, I can listen. This is before Serial, but I was like, I can listen to these like murder mysteries while I'm running and like I'm so engaged that I want to keep going because I have to get to the end and like it was like like a story in my ear and I'm running to it and I would go so much farther because I'm like, it was my escape from, you know, the rest of whatever else was going on in my life because you're so focused on A, the run, exercising and B, the story or the music that you're hearing in your ears. That's what made me love running. But I used to be like your sister. Everyone was running and I was like, why on earth would I go out there and run as fast as I could in this hot beating sun? Hell no. But now I love it. So it's like... (laughs) Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. But the point is, is that you have to find, you have to move. We are soft tissue creatures that our body works better when, and our joints are nourished when we we have to move for health. And you just have to find a way that you like to move. It can be dancing. That can be using a hula hoop. That can be Zumba or P90X or whatever the hell you like. Yeah. Some people, (laughs) some people love P90X and that shit, but I hate it. Right, right. Torture. I think it's a love relationship with your couch by any (laughs) means. But I think your loves can change. Like, I mean, if you look at food, I didn't used to love kale. Not that I would say that I love kale, but I can tolerate kale, right? Like, but when this journey was starting, I would say like that was the farthest thing from my list of like really ever enjoying it ever. And so as you journey through this, right, it's like starting out with things you love. Maybe just right now it's walking. Like maybe that's what's going to get you out the door. You know, maybe it's starting with just other vegetables besides leafy greens, like, you know, um, tomatoes or making a caprese salad or something like that. Like the health journey has to start somewhere. And for some people starting too far off into this world of hate just never gets them anywhere. And so it's really starting with those small things you love and being open to try new things. Even if you thought you hated them, like, you know, with you and your running, like eventually you can develop a love for it. If you can just figure out how to do it right. Just like kale, like I just had to figure out how to eat it in a way that I liked it. Kale by itself yeah. is not like, tasty. You have to put on the most delicious dressing. You have to put it in a smoothie. I love it. You do? By I'm, you see me go to Bristol Farms and get a huge thing. Of, I'm weird. I've always loved kale. But when it's, it's weird. But, no, it's awesome. <laughs> but when it's mixed with all the vegetables, I yeah. like it too because it has the flavor. But yeah. kale just by itself, you eat it. Like a leafy I can, cream. yeah. I, I usually I put lemon juice on it and okay, see? salt and pepper. Okay, thank you. I can but do that's that too. Not, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I can't, I'm just saying Let's, by itself, it's dry and, and crunchy yeah, and weird. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. <laughs> so yeah, I understand yeah. why people don't like it. But if you flavor it, even just a little, like Susie said. But here's another thing to think about, and especially with children. I see this all the time. Like my And I, I credit my mother because she taught myself and my brother that we eat not just for taste, but for nutrition. And mm-hmm. sometimes you don't have to always like it, at least as children, but you have to eat it. That was, that, and I don't, I don't think a lot of parents do this nowadays. And again, I'm not a parent yet, so I don't know the tortures of trying to get your kid to eat healthy, but she never gave in. She's like, if I made it, it's healthy for you. And therefore you have to try it. You're allowed one food you can say no to. And you know what? 
as much as I didn't like it as, as I was a, a kid, I became an adult that loves to eat kale, that loves to mm-hmm. eat vegetables. I, you know, so it's, that's an important point to realize is like, we don't just have to eat for taste. And I think in a world of processed foods, that's playing upon our evolution to want salt and fat and sugar and to eat for taste. But we have to eat for nutrition. Mm-hmm. And nutrition can taste good. We just have to it learn can. how to make it taste good. And as good. Alexa said, you can also morph your taste buds. You can learn to like stuff that, you know, I've, I saw a little girl at a, at a 4th of July barbecue and she was eating iceberg lettuce and her mother was encouraging her. And I just thought, oh, oh. she has no idea that that is nutritionally devoid of anything right. good. And but she was like, it's lettuce and she loves it. And then we tried to get her eat it, to eat a tomato, these farm fresh, hand picked, delicious yeah. cherry tomatoes. <laughs> she took one bite, made a face like, I don't like it. And I was just like, wow, like that's going to be an uphill battle, kid. Like you, you need to you need to open up your taste buds and realize that you don't just have to eat for taste. Yeah. Food Heals Nation, you've heard me talking about it, but have you tried it yet? This episode of Food Heals is sponsored by Sambucol. Sambucol is this delicious syrup that helps boost your immunity that you can add to your favorite smoothies or put it over yogurt. You can put it over coffee. You can put it with overnight oats. It's just delicious and it's really fun. And so I've been taking the Sambucol black elderberry in the morning to help support my immune system so I can keep doing what I need to do every day, like creating podcasts for you and all of the other things that type A Allie needs to cross off of her to-do list. But taking Sambucol is a simple act of self-care that I can do without much effort because I can actually take the syrup and add it to my favorite foods and drinks, like two tablespoons of the black elderberry syrup to a green smoothie. It's sweet. It's delicious. It adds a little kick of immune support. And Sambucol is made from premium European black elderberries. Elderberries are natural sources of powerful antioxidants and very important key vitamins like vitamin A vitamin C, and vitamin E. That's why they're really nature's super berries. Sambucol has many different ways to get your daily dose of black elderberry, like the syrup, but you can also use the gummies, the chewable tablets, the drink powders, the capsules, and more. And of course, you know, I found out first that all the products are vegan. Thank you very much, except for the throat lozenges, which do contain honey. All the products are gluten-free, dairy-free, nut-free, soy-free, and of course, no artificial colors or flavors. And moms and dads, they do have products made for kids and babies too. So take it every day, watch your immune system improve. I took the gummies with me on my recent vacation where I was gone for three weeks and don't worry, Food Heals Nation, you know I scored an exclusive discount code for you. Food Heals Nation, you can get 15% off your next order of $9.99 or more at sambucolusa.com by using my promo code foodheals15 at check out. While you're there, check out the blog. You can find all the fun, healthy, fantastic recipes that you can make with the Sambucol syrup, like vegan baked goods, like simple smoothies, like fun, sexy mocktails. Don't forget to use my code FOODHEALS15 to get 15% off your order of $9.99 or more at SambucolUSA.com. All right. How can everyone listen to your show? Okay. You can find me at simplerootswellness.com or if you just go to simplerootswellness slash iTunes, I'm up there. My show is called Simple Roots Radio. 
So it's just kind of a hodgepodge of, you know, health um, guests, but also I get into the mentality and I just like to showcase my listeners and like their story and how they're doing life and their secrets. Cause I feel like we're all made up of these like wise secrets. It doesn't take a scientist to come up with these. And so just like getting tips and tricks from, um, you know, moms and, you know, business owners and, and crazy busy people who are making health work for them. So I love that so much. And we have very similar missions. Um, and what yep. about Facebook and Twitter and Instagram? How can people find you, contact you? So on Facebook, it's Simple Roots Wellness. And on Twitter and Instagram, it's just Alexa Sherm. Alexa is A-L-E-X-A and Sherm is S-C-H-I-R-M. Perfect. And what's your website? Uh, simplerootswellness.com. Can you leave us with a tweetable? You can't get a body you love doing things you hate. We couldn't agree more. So every time you're dreading that exercise routine you're going to do, maybe just, you know, think about what else you could do. Just dance around your house. And if that makes you happy, then go for it. And don't go and torture yourself. Right, Alexa? Right. It's so true. Just enjoy your life. You only have one, so you might as well use it to the best. That's another tweetable. Tweet it to Alexa. Tweet it to us. Use the hashtag Food Heals Nation or Food Heals Podcast so we can find your post. Thank you so much for being here, Alexa. Thank you, Alexa. Thank you so much for having me. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to put down the Ben and Jerry's, get off the couch, and take a walk outside. If you experience any of these symptoms, tell your Facebook friends immediately. (laughs) 